like to point out in this in, in this uh, story in Genesis 31, and I pray that you would help me, help my mind to be clear, and help me to be able to, to help everybody here tonight, Lord. I, I pray that you would speak through me. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Okay, well we read there that uh, chapter, Genesis chapter number 31, and it, I, I just want you to look back at the last verse of uh, Genesis chapter number 30. The Bible says in verse 30, 43 of Genesis 30, the Bible says, And the man, talking about Jacob, increased exceedingly, and had much cattle, and maid servants, and men servants, and camels, and asses. Jacob went from a very unsuccessful, poor man in chapter 30, at the beginning of the chapter, to a very successful, very rich man in chapter number 31. And we're not going to re-preach chapter 30, but if you were here last week, remember that uh, God performed a great miracle and was able to multiply uh, Jacob's uh, flock there. And, and he went from uh, working 14 years for Laban and only to have his wife and his children and have no possessions of his own. And he worked an additional six years and God blessed him and he increased him like we saw there in verse 43. And the man increased exceedingly and had much cattle and maidservants and manservants and camels and asses. So he became a very rich man. He has a lot of flock. He has a lot of servants. He has a lot of... Uh, um uh, maid servants and men servants and camels and asses and, and he became very successful in, in chapter 30. And in chapter 31 we find out a little bit of the cost of this success. You know, uh, before we really get into the, the sermon uh, tonight, I, I do want to give this disclaimer. As Christians, if you're a born-again uh, you know, believer in Jesus Christ, you must understand that we play the game of life. You know, I'm not talking about the board game, but, but our, our lives, this game that, that we're uh, in, and this battle that we're in, we play by different rules than the rest of the world. All right. The rest of the world is able to be successful in business, is able to be successful in their profession, is able to be successful in whatever they attempt to do by chance, by uh, ability, by just fortune, whatever uh, things happen to fall for them. But we as Christians, everything that happens in our life is filtered through God. Everything that, that, if we're ever successful at anything, if we're ever unsuccessful at anything, that has been filtered through God, and God has allowed it. See, uh, you know, we can use Joe for an example. If, if that would have happened to any unsafe person, then we might say, oh, they're just uh, uh, unlucky, or unfortunate, or it's just too bad that that happened to them. But when that happens to a Christian, you know, you've got to have this idea. God allowed that to happen. God, everything that happens to us is filtered through God. And if in our lives, if we're going to see success, or if we're going to see failure in anything we attempt to do, you know, obviously Jacob was in a business here. He was here to make money. And we could apply that to business. But, but whether it's business, whether it's your Christian life, whether it's raising your children, whether it's in your marriage, whether whatever it might be, if we're going to see success in that thing that we're attempting to accomplish, it will happen uh, because God allowed it or because God did not allow it. And there are a few things that we can do and we can learn from Jacob here about success. I'd like to say, number one, there is a condition for success. There is a condition for success. Look at verse number one in chapter 31. The Bible says, And he heard the words of Laban's son, saying... Notice what Laban's son said about Jacob. Jacob hath taken away all that was our father's. And of that which was our father's hath he gotten all, the, his, all this glory. 
Now, did Jacob steal from Laban? No, he did not. Do you remember in chapter 30, they made a deal. They had an agreement. And Jacob, you know, by human standards, was getting the bad end of the deal. But God allowed Jacob to be successful. But when Jacob became very successful, over a period of six years, when he became very successful, he became very rich, he became very wealthy, he had a lot of employees, and he had a lot of things to show for it. You know, when that happened, the Bible says that Laban's sons looked at Jacob, and they said, Of that which was our fathers had he gotten all this glory. And Jacob beheld the countenance of Laban, and behold, it was not toward him. Drop down to verse number 26 in the same chapter. Look at verse 26. The Bible says, And Laban said to Jacob, What hast thou done? Notice, you know, this is obviously after Laban pursues him. We read the entire chapter, so you should be familiar with the story. But when Laban pursues Jacob, notice what Laban says to Jacob. And Laban said to Jacob, What hast thou done? That thou hast stolen. Notice Laban is accusing Jacob of stealing from him. Did Jacob steal from him? No. But he said, Thou hast stolen away unawares to me, and carried away. Notice what he says. You carried away my daughters as captives taken with the sword. Wherefore didst thou flee away secretly, and steal? Notice what he's accusing him of. And steal away from me? Didst not... And didst not tell me that I might have sent thee away with myrrh and with song and with tabard and with heart? Thou hast not suffered me to kiss my sons and my daughters. Thou hast not. Thou, thou hast now done foolishly in so doing. Look, uh, skip over to verse number forty-three in the same chapter. Look at what Laban continues to say to him. And Laban answered and said unto Jacob, These daughters are my daughters. And these children are my children, and these cattle are my cattle, and all that thou seest is mine. And what can I do this day unto these my daughters, or unto their children, which they have borne? And what I want you to see is this. Jacob worked very hard for those daughters. Fourteen years. He worked very hard for those children. He worked very hard for that cattle. But when he got that prosperity, when he got that success, when he achieved that success, people looked at him, the sons looked at him, Laban looked at him, and he said, Ah, you just got that from, from, you know, from Laban. You just stole that from Laban. And here's what you must understand. The condition for success that God puts on Christians, if you're going to be successful in the fact that God allows you to be successful, in whatever it is, whether it's business, whether it's a lemonade stand, right? <laughs> Lisa Marie uh, started her own business this week. She uh, started a lemonade stand. And she was successful. Right? You know, she, she uh, how much did she make? She made like $12 the first day, $18 the second day, $23 the third day. Is that right? Around there? That's pretty good. And you know what she did? She tied. She put the money in the, she, she tied there, and, that, and that's good right there, you know. You teach your kids to tithe when they're young, and they won't struggle with it when they're older. But anyway, that has nothing to do with the sermon. But, um, you know, Laban, or, or Jacob, when you reach success, here's how God does it. When you reach success, in whatever it is, ministry, marriage, raising kids, uh, business, whatever it is, when you reach success... You will not get the credit. That is a condition by which God allows you to be successful. God will put desires in your heart to accomplish things for Him. However, He runs you through circumstances so that once you reach those victories, it's not as sweet. See, anyone... Let let me explain to you what I'm saying. Anyone would be excited 
In J- I mean, this was a rags to riches story. In six years, he went from owning nothing to having everything he could ever desire. And anyone would be excited to be a rich man in that short amount of time, like Jacob. But you know what? You know, we would all be excited. I mean, if, if six years from now, you went from having nothing, and all of a sudden, you're, you're just a powerful, rich, successful business person. I mean, we would be, all, uh, we would be so excited about that. We, we, we would love that. But here's the thing. Jacob could not... Enjoy his success. You know why? Because he's running from Laban. And he's running from Laban and he's going home and he's going home and we'll see here in the next few weeks. You know, he's running from Laban and where he's running to, he's worried about Esau killing him. And it just seems like God, that's how God works. When God gives you success, when God gives you prosperity, when God allows you to see victories, He does it in such a way so that when you reach those things, you're not able to enjoy them as much. You're not able to enjoy them as great. You're not given credit. Nobody looks at Jacob and says, Oh, look, Jacob is such a great businessman. Oh, look, Jacob should be teaching, you know, a series on this. Oh, look, Jacob should be some sort of motivational speaker. Every time, you know, they talk about Jacob, they say, Well, he just stole it from Laban. Well, he just got the glory from our father. Well, they, they're not really his wives. They're not really his children. They're not really his possession. He just got his soul. And when God allows you to be successful, you will never get the credit. Because see, even in his success, even in Jacob's success, he was forced to be drawn to God when others might be tempted to be drawn from God. You understand what I'm saying? When you begin to be successful in business and you begin to make money, you know, that would be a temptation to to puff us up, to say, we don't need God. But God works out circumstances to where Jacob could become very successful and feel like he needs God more than ever. Because that's how he works. That's a condition by which God allows you to be successful. Let me give you another example. You know, keep your finger there in in Genesis 31. We'll be coming back to it, but, but go to Matthew chapter number 3. In the New Testament, Matthew chapter number 3. Look at Matthew chapter number 3 and look at verse number 4. Matthew chapter number 3 and look at verse number 4. Matthew chapter number 3 and verse 4, we read about John the Baptist. And the Bible says in Matthew 3, 4, it says, And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle, about his loins, and his meat was locust and wild honey. And I want you to see verse 5. Then went out to him Jerusalem, and all Judea, and all the regions round about the Jordan. Do you see that? John the Baptist, the Bible says that all, it says that all of Jerusalem, all of Judea, and all of the region round about one of them. That'd be like if we, you know, we had a church service and all of Sac- everybody who lived in Sacramento came to our church service. And everybody who lived in California came to our church service. And everybody who lived around California. I mean, everybody who was anybody came out. The Pharisees, the scribes, the people, everybody came out to hear John the Baptist preach. Very, very successful preacher. Say, well, why, was, why did God allow him to have such success? Well, here's why I believe God allowed him. Because John made this statement in John chapter number 3, verse 30. He said, he, said um, he, referring to Jesus Christ, must increase, but I must decrease. And see, that's how God works. When God allows us to see success, He allows us to see success only when it no longer matters to us. See, this is why I believe, you know, uh, there, there's a reason why you don't start a church and just, you know, within the first 10 months you're just running 500. I mean, can you imagine if that happened? You know, we started very Baptist church, and just within a couple of years, we're just running 2,000. 
you know, that would probably affect our ego, or, you know, my ego, or whatever, you know, all of us that are here. And we probably start thinking, oh man, we are, we're something, we got, see, I believe God is going to run us through a course in life, that by the time that maybe we are running 500, it's just not as impressive to us. We've just got other priorities, and God does want us to be successful, God does want us to reach people, but He doesn't want that success to be something that will make us to be drawn away from it. And that's a, that's a condition of God's success. You say, I want God to help me be successful. And whatever you know, it is that you're involved in, you must understand, you will see that success, but only after God allows the conditions in your life to be that, which that success will not draw you away from Him. I said number one, we saw the condition of success. Number two, we see the prerequisite of success. Go back to Genesis chapter number 30. I'm sorry, Genesis 31. And look at the prerequisite of success. Genesis 31. And look at verse number 3. Remember when I made, I made the statement, the disclaimer, that we play by different rules. And if you as a Christian are going to be successful in anything you do, you're going to have to meet a few prerequisites. Look at verse number 3. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto Jacob, Return unto the land of thy fathers and to thy kindred. And notice what the Lord said to Jacob, And I will be with thee. If you and I as a Christian are going to be successful in whatever we endeavor to have success in, we must have God's presence with us. Not only must we have God's presence, but we must have God's blessing. Look at verse 4. And Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field unto this, his flock. And said unto them, I see your father's countenance, that it is not toward me as before. But the God of my fathers hath been with me. And ye know that with all my power I have served your father. And your father hath deceived me and changed my wages ten times, but suffered him not to hurt me. If he said thus, the speckled shall be, wa- shall be thy wages, and all the cattle bear speckled. And if he said, "Thus the ring strike shall be thy higher than all the battle, all the cattle bear, all the cattle," I'm sorry, then bear all the cattle ring strike. Thus God hath taken away the cattle of your father and given them to me. And it came to pass at the time that the cattle conceived that I lifted up mine eyes and saw in a dream, and behold, the rams which sleeped upon the cattle were ring strings speckled and gristled. And the angel of God spake unto me in a dream, saying, Jacob, and he said, Here am I. And he said, Lift up now thine eyes and see all the rams which sleep upon the cattle are ring strings speckled and gristled, for I have seen all that Laban doeth unto thee. So you see there, if you're going to have success in the Christian life, not only does God have to, the presence of God have to be with you, but the blessing of God has to be with you. God is the one who gave him the idea of, of taking the ring straight and the speckled and the spotted. God is the one. He said there that God, in verse 9, Thus God hath taken away the cattle of your father and given them to me. God is the one who did that miracle. God is the one who performed that blessing. God is the one who gave that blessing. And if we as Christians are going to have success in whatever we endeavor to do, we must have God's presence. We must have God's blessing. And let me just bring, this isn't part of the sermon, but just let me bring attention to verse 13. I think it's very interesting. Do you remember when, Lab- when Jacob was running from Esau, when he first deceived his father? Do you remember how he, we, we talked there about the house of God, and how he set up a, a, an altar, and he said, you know, this is the house of God. And do you remember how he tied at that altar? Do you remember that? Look at verse 13. Look at, 20 years later, Jacob is a very, very rich man. And notice what God reminds him about in verse 13. 
I am the God of Bethel, where thou anointest the pillar. And notice what he reminds him. And where thou vowedest a vow. What was the vow that he vowed? He said, I will give you the tenth part. You know what God is doing? He's saying, hey, Jacob, remember when you didn't have anything? And you promised you were going to give me 10% of everything that I blessed you? Guess what? It's time to pay. Because you, because, well, because what is tithing? Tithing is the acknowledging of God's goodness to you. That's what it is. I go to work. I make income. And I acknowledge that to God. I say to God that I acknowledge the fact that He's the one who gave me the power to make that money by taking 10% of that and returning it to Him. That's what it is. And God is saying, hey, Jacob, it's time for you to pay. He said, do you remember when, when you vowed? He said, it's easy to vow the vow when you don't got anything. <laughs> it's easy to say, God, I'll give you 10% of all I got when all you got is on your, in your backpack. But when you're coming back with many riches and many cattle and many main servants and many man servants, God reminds him and says, hey, where thou vowed is that vow. Do you remember that? He said, now rise, go back to the land, you know, go back to... Uh, get thee out of this land and return unto the land of thy kindred. He's saying, hey, don't forget what you promised. Look at verse number 19. A prerequisite for success, you've got to have God's presence, you've got to have God's blessing. Not only that, you've got to have God's protection. In verse 19, And Laban went to shear his sheep, and Rachel had stolen the images that were her father's. And Jacob stole away unawares to Laban the Syrian in that he told him not that he fled. And, and again, this is part of the sermon, but it's interesting. You know, Rachel is the one who's going to give birth to, or, or, or has already given birth to, uh, Joseph, who's one of the greatest Bible characters ever lived. And it's interesting to me that Rachel, his mother, is an idol worshiper. I mean, she's stolen an idol from Laban. Uh, you know, so, so that's just uh, an interesting footnote. Look at verse 21. So he fled with all that he had, and he rose up and passed over the river, and set his face toward the Mount Gilead. And it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob was fled. And he took his brethren with him, and pursued after him seven days' journey, and they overtook him in the Mount Gilead. And God came to Laban the Syrian in a dream by night. Notice, God came to Laban the Syrian in a dream by night, and said unto him, Take heed that thou speak not to Jacob, either good or bad. Then Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in, mount, in, in the mount, and Laban with his brethren pitched in the mount of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob, What hast thou done, that thou hast stolen away unawares to me, and carried away my daughters as captives taken with the sword? Wherefore didst thou flee away secretly, and steal away from me, and didst not tell me, that I might have sent thee away with myrrh, with song, with tabret, and with the harp, and has not suffered me to kiss my sons and my daughters, and has now done foolishly in so doing? Notice verse 29. He says, It is in the power of my hand to do you hurt. But... The God of your father spake unto me yesternight, saying, Take thou heed, that thou speak not to Jacob, either good or bad. So God is the one who protects us. God is the one who protects you. God is the one who's going to help you. God is the one who's going to deliver you. Look at verse number 40 in the same chapter. He says, Thus I was... In the day the drought consumed me, and the frost by night, and my sleep departed from me. Thus have I been twenty years in thy house. I served thee fourteen years for thy two daughters, and six years for thy cattle. And thou hast changed uh, my wages ten times. Except the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had been with me. Surely thou hast sent me away now empty. God hath seen my affliction, and the labor of my hands, and rebuked thee yesternight. So if we are going to be successful, you're going to have to understand, you're going to need God's presence. You're going to need God's blessing, and you're going to need God's, uh, God's protection. 
I'm just trying to show you, you know, you, you might not want as much success if you realize all the things that come with success. We saw first that you must have the conditions for success, which means you don't get the credit for it. We saw number two, the, repre- the, the prerequisites for success, which means you've got to have God on your side. But number three, I'd like you to just see the logic of success. The logic of success. Look at verse 14. If you, you understand the story, Jacob is trying to convince his wives that we've got to get out of town because your dad's not happy. And if you look at verse 14, the Bible says, And Rachel and Leah answered and said unto him. So he explains in this whole story. He said, this is what happened. This is how I became a rich man. Your dad's not happy about it. We got to go. And he's trying to convince his wife that it's time for them to go. And in verse 14, they, they respond. And Rachel and Leah answered and said unto him. Look, look at what they said. Is there yet any portion or inheritance for us in our father's house? So they're saying, is there any reason for us to stick around in our father's house? Is there anything for us in our father's house? Are we not counted of him strangers? For he hath sold us and hath quite devoured also our money. Because remember, he sold his daughters to Jacob for 14 years of work. And they said, we don't have anything in our father's house. We're counted of him as strangers. He sold us to you. Look at verse 16. For all, notice what they said. For all the riches which God hath taken from our father, that is ours and our children's, now then, whatsoever God hath said unto thee, do. You know what they're saying? This is what they're saying. Jacob, you know, our dad doesn't have an inheritance for us. Our dad didn't really care much about us. Our dad sold us to you. And now that God has given you a blessing, you know what that means? We're getting some of that blessing. And you know that's true if you're married. (laughs) You make money, it's your wife's money, you know. And that's what they're saying. But they're saying, you know, but you got to understand the logic for success. Now these girls, yeah, you know, as far as their character, as far as their Christian, I don't know. Aaliyah seems to be pretty good. Rachel is an idol worshiper. But you know, there's a logic to success in, the, in, in this. They understood what was in their best interest. Now that may sound bad, you know, in some way. But here's what you got to understand. To be successful, so you, know, you, you know, people have this idea that they're going to be some sort of a successful soul winner. You know, that they're, they're, they're going to, to be this great, you know, just uh, missions-minded Christian and have all sorts of converts. But then they go to a church that, like, doesn't emphasize so many. And you just got to think to yourself, does that make any sense? Is that in your best interest? If God wants you to be a great soul winner, to go to a church that doesn't emphasize so many. Or sometimes people say, I want to become a great student of the Bible. I want to learn the Bible a lot, and I want to know the Bible. But then they'll go to a church, or they'll, or they'll listen to preaching, or they'll go to places that don't emphasize Bible reading. Oftentimes, don't even use the King James Bible. And, and you've got to understand the logic to success. If you're going to be successful in your Christian life, this is what these girls were saying to them. If we're going to have success, then we've got to identify where is our best interest. Where are we more likely to grow? Where are we more likely to succeed? And they're saying, Jacob, if it's between you and Laban, Laban doesn't really much care about us. So we're going to stick with you. There's a logic to success. You've got to understand, where, where, do you, where are you more likely to succeed? Where are you more likely to do something for God? Where are you more likely to do righteousness for God? Where are you more likely to be used of God, or to hear from God, or to, to allow God to use you? And when you understand the logic to success, it'll be easy. You know, Jesus Christ said to the apostles, He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And if they want to be fishers of men, all they have to do is follow Jesus. And there's always that, that type of idea with Jesus. We, we, we must put ourselves in positions where we can grow to be successful. 
Look at verse number 5. This is Laban speaking, and said unto them, I see your, oh, I'm sorry, this is Jacob speaking. I said unto them, I see your father's countenance, that it is not toward me as before. But the God of my father hath been with me. Drop down to verse number 30. And now, this is Laban speaking, and now, though thou wouldest needs be gone, because thou so longest after thy father's house, yet wherefore hast thou stolen my gods? And, and I won't read all the verses, but it goes in the story when he's looking for the idols. Here's, a, here's another thing you must understand about success, is there will always be opposition to success. There will always be opposition to success. Laban is following after him. Laban is accusing him. Laban is saying, you stole my gods. Laban is, is doing all these things. Because here, here's what you must understand, and this is just human nature. When you start living for God, when you start being successful in your Christian life, when you start being successful in your business, when you start being successful at your job, when you start seeing God's blessing on your life, there will always be those who are going to try to drag you down. You start coming to church and there are going to be family members who are going to try to drag you down. There's going to be friends who are going to try to drag you down. There's going to be people who are going to try to talk bad about you, who are going to try to make you look bad, who are going to try to make you feel bad, who are going to try... Because every time you have a success, there is always opposition to that success. You must understand. It's just part of life. It's human nature. When you start bettering yourself through Jesus Christ and others are not, they don't like to see that. But here's, here's probably the most important part of the sermon. And, and, and we're almost done, I promise. Look at verse number 38. We talked about the conditions for success and the prerequisites for success and the logic for success and the opposition, opposition of success. But here's probably the most important part of success, which I don't really know what to call it other than the secret for success. Look at verse number 38. This 20 years have I been with thee. This is Jacob speaking. This 20 years have I been with thee. Thy ewes and thy she-goats have not cast their young. And the rams of thy flock have I not eaten. That which was torn of beast I brought not unto thee. I bear the loss of it. Of my hand as thou requirest, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. Thus, notice what he says. I was. In the day the drought consumed me and the frost by night, and my sleep departed from mine eyes. Thus have I been twenty years in thy house. I have served thee fourteen years for thy two daughters, and six years for thy cattle, and thou didst change my wages ten times. It comes down, bottom line is this, the secret to success is this, hard work. Hard work. You know, people have this idea that, that, that certain people are just born to make money. You know what, I, I, what I've realized, you know, and, and as I've just thought about people, thought about, you know, and you start studying people who are successful as life. You, when you start looking at pastors who pastor large churches, when you start looking at businessmen who have great businesses, who, have, who, who, who run huge companies and, and make lots of money, when you start looking at, at people who are very successful in whatever they are, whether it's sports, whether it's politics, whether it's business, whether it's ministry, whatever it is, whether it's, you know, a marriage or a family, raising kids, when you start looking at people who are successful at whatever they've, you know, given their life to, here's what you find. The common denominator of successful people is this. They work very, very hard. You find people who are poor, and generally, they're not working as hard. 
I, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. I, I, I put myself in that, in that category too. You find people that are mediocre. You find people that are unsuccessful. It's because they're not working. Jacob, yes, made himself a very rich man in one chapter. But we get an insight to his life. He says, he, he says you know, uh, during the day the drought consumed me and, by, and, and the frost by night. And my sleep departed from my eyes. And if we are going to be successful in whatever it is, whether it's raising children, whether it's having relationships, whether it's starting a business, whether it's starting a church, whatever it is, we must get this idea that we must work hard. We must put in the hours. We must be a hard worker if we're going to see success. That's it. That's the secret. Listen to CEOs. Read books by CEOs. Talk to, you know, talk to these people and, and, and you'll find CEOs, they don't, you know, there's a benefit to punching in and punching out working 40 hours and having weekends free. CEOs of major companies don't have weekends free. Their whole life is work, and that's why they're successful. You're saying, I'm not saying that's something we should want to do, but I'm just saying, if you want to see success with raising your children, maybe it's going to take a little more than just feeding them lunch and letting them watch TV all day long. Maybe we're going to have to work hard at it. Maybe we're going to have to put some investment into it. Maybe we're going to have to parent them with a purpose, with a goal, with, a, with something. You know, if we're going to be successful in, in, in our ministry, maybe it's going to take, look, it's going to take longer than 59 minutes and 59 seconds of soul winning to get this church to grow. Period. You know, somewhere along the line, we got this idea as fundamental Baptists that soul winning is 59 minutes, 59 seconds, and we're done. You're not going to get anybody saved like that. You're going to have to put in the hours. You're going to have to get people saved. You're going to have to be out in the trenches. It's going to take work. Let me show you some verses. Go with me to Proverbs chapter number 6. Proverbs chapter number 6. And I'm not preaching, I'm preaching this up, you know, for myself, too. You know, I mean, it's a challenge to me. If we're going to be successful, it's going to take work. Period. There's no shortcuts, there's no way to get around it. Look at Proverbs chapter number 6, look at verse number 9. Proverbs chapter number 6, look at verse number 9. Now look, this hurts me because I think this is something that all men struggle with. I, I've never met a man who says they don't struggle with it. Maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you don't struggle with it, I don't know. But look, look at Proverbs chapter number 6 and look at verse number 9. The Bible says, How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. Look, look at what the Bible says. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. Bible says you sleep a lot, you're going to be poor. That's what it says. Because it's going to take work to get up in the morning, to get up early. I mean, look at Joshua, who was very successful. What is the one phrase in the book of Joshua that's found all throughout the book of Joshua of a very successful military man? You know what it is? It's this. Joshua rose up early in the morning. That's what the Bible says. What is said about Jesus multiple times throughout the Gospels? He rose up early in the morning. And I, look, I hate that. I like sleep. <laughs> but we're, we're, it's going to take work. If we're going to be successful at anything, it's going to take work. Look at Proverbs chapter number 20. Look at Proverbs chapter number 20. Look at verse number 13. Proverbs chapter number 20. Look at verse number 13. Look at what the Bible says. Proverbs twenty thirteen. Love not sleep, lest thou come to poverty. Look what he says. Love not sleep, lest thou come to poverty. Open thine eyes, and thou shalt be satisfied with bread. Isn't that amazing? God says, you like to sleep, you're going to be poor. You're going to be in poverty. That's what he says. 
And I think it's interesting that Jacob, one of the complaints of all of his work, he said, the sleep just left my eyes. He said, I wanted to sleep and I couldn't. Because I had to work. Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter number 8. We'll look at two more verses, we'll be done. Deuteronomy chapter number 8. Deuteronomy chapter number 8. Look at verse number 18. Deuteronomy chapter number 8. Look at verse number 18. Deuteronomy 8.18, the Bible says this. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. Look what it says. For it is He, the, the Lord thy God, for it is He that giveth thee power to get wealth. Isn't that a good verse? But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is He that giveth thee power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant, which He sware unto thy fathers as it is this day. The secret to success, you must understand, I I think we all want to be successful in something. And you must understand there is a condition to success. You must understand there is a prerequisite to success. You must understand there is a logic to success. You must understand there is opposition to success. But we must understand if we're going to be successful in anything, the secret to success is this, hard work. Hard work, that's it. We must work hard. Let me show you one more verse before we done. Go with me to Joshua chapter number 1. Look at verse 8. We've been talking about success this whole night. And I just want... The, the word success is actually only found in the Bible one time. And it's in Joshua chapter number 1. And if you look at verse number 8, you'll find, you'll find the verse. Look at what the Bible says. Joshua chapter number 1 and verse 8. The only time you find the word success. Actually, let's just start reading at verse number 7. Well, let's start at verse 6. This is a challenge that Joshua is getting as he takes on the role of leadership in the children of Israel. And in verse 6, the Bible says, Be strong and of good courage. For unto this, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give thee. Only be thou strong. You see how God is emphasizing this word strong? That's what we were talking about this morning, right? Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe, look what he says, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee, turn not from it to the right hand, or to the left, or to the left, that thou mayest prosper. You say, well, the world prospers without the word of God. You, you don't play by the same rules that the world does. If you want to prosper as a Christian, you have to play by God's rules. He says, he says, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law. That's the word of God. Which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it, from the law, to the right hand or to the left. That thou mayest prosper. God says, you want to prosper? Here's how you prosper. Whithersoever thou goest. Look at verse 8. This book of the law, talking about the word of God, shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do. Notice what he's saying. He's saying this book of the law, it's, it will not, it's not going to depart out of thy mouth. That sounds like a lot of work. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night. That sounds like a lot of work. That thou mayest observe to do. That means you don't just learn but you do. You put it to action. According to all that is written therein, and look at what God says, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, 
and then thou shalt have good success. You know, God wants you to be successful. I'm not into prosperity gospel. I'm not Joel Osteen. I'm not here. You know, I'm not here to tell you. Oh, just name it and claim it. You know, just uh, name that really nice Mustang. I'm just kidding. You know, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm you know, they, and I'm just joking about that. But you know, we, we don't we don't believe in that. You know, you you, you don't we don't just you know people either they oh well you just agree with God. you just told God you want you want that million dollar house you're gonna give it to you that's not how it works. But you know, God does want you to see success in your life. God wants us to see success. God wants this church to be success, successful. But he's, he's going to do it in a way to where when we reach that success, it doesn't go to our head. It, we don't become arrogant. He's going to put us through things that by, by the time, Jacob, you get all that money, you're so worried about running from Laban and running from Esau that you it, it, it's not a distraction. But God says, you know, you can be successful. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Dearly Father.